Greetings, sovereigns. Join us as we explore new and old knowledge and ideas around food and health to help you achieve optimum states of wellness. Okay, greetings, sovereigns, and welcome to our Sovereign Eats podcast. This is one of um, the very rare but beautiful experiences that we want to share with you all. We have today um, another helpful and informative and mind-expanding episode. We are kicking off our month of May with excitement around topics that mean a lot to you, right? A lot to you and your family as well. So in this episode, we're going to explain, explore five ways to overcome type 2 diabetes. So I have a surprise for you all today. Today we're going to highlight a guest who brings her knowledge and expertise into our sovereign space and her knowledge and expertise around, around health, wellness, nutrition, and overcoming type 2 diabetes. Robin focuses on supporting women with type 2 diabetes through nutrition and health management. Welcome, Robin. Tell us Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. We, we are happy to have you. We're happy to have you. So can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your back history, and what motivated you and inspired you in this niche of, of um, you know, working with nutrition and type 2 diabetes specifically. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, so my husband, about 11 years ago, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which was a complete, complete shock to us. Um, because um, we thought we were eating healthy. We were uh, eating lean meats and exercising and not junk food and all these things. He was not overweight. Uh, he had just turned 60, and he got this diagnosis. There wasn't even a pre-diabetes diagnosis before it. It was just like, oh, you're diabetic. And so it was really shocking. Um, and they told him he had to go on medicines, and we just didn't want to do that. Um, we thought there had to be another way. And so we started doing our research, um, read a lot of books, and went to a lot of lectures and found that the plant-based uh, lifestyle offered um, the, the new way of looking at things that we really were looking for. And so we had immediately adopted that lifestyle. We were raising our four children at the time, and we completely went plant-based, even with our kids. Uh, and so it was a bumpy road. It was, you know, learning how to eat that way was um, challenging. And especially in our Western um, standard American diet world, right? And um, and so, but we luckily we were able to keep him off all of his medicines and keep him healthy and active and doing the things we love, so he can not worry about the complications that come with diabetes. Diabetes, you're told when you're diagnosed, is a progressive disease, which means the medicines just keep you um, slowing down the progression. And at the end of that progression, you have possibly kidney issues or heart disease. Diabetics die more from heart disease than they do high blood sugar, okay? And we don't want to go that road. They lose their sight. They have neuropathy. They, you know, all these things. And that was not the future we wanted for him. So um, so we we did this, but it also sparked in me this wanting to share with others, you know, make an impact on others' lives, right? And so... At the age of like 56, I went back to graduate school and um, I had one, most of my kids were off to college. I had one kid left at home, so we were both going to college together. And, um, you know, I commuted lots of hours, studied lots of weekends to become a dietitian. And uh, that's kind of what set me on this path. And once I got my credential, I was like, okay, I can really make an impact, right? I can really help people. And that's really my purpose in life really is to end the suffering from diabetes and help people, um, you know, manage their diabetes and reverse it without having to take the medicines. So that's kind of how I got where I am. And what about the key motivator for shifting, right? Because I've been 
um, tapping into No Pills, No Hunger and also looking at your work on Instagram. And I noticed that that niche of focusing on women has been one of the predominant things that you, you do. So what then was the key motivator to channel you into that direction? Working on uh, Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, because obviously my experience was helping my husband, right? And so you'd think I would just do all diabetics. But what I find with women is they don't take care of themselves. They, they take care of everybody else, okay? And their needs are often last. They raise their families. They take care of their husbands. They take care of elder parents. They work a job. They have all these roles. And often their health is on the back burner. Their health is last. And really, if they don't take care of themselves first, they can't do all those things, right? Because we're nurturers, we're caregivers, you know, by almost by default. And I think that I just saw a need that, you know, these women, they struggle with giving them the power, giving back the power to take over um, their health and their, you know, control of their health and put themselves first a little bit. It's sort of like that analogy on an airplane. You put your mask on first, and then you can help someone else. It's really that way with their um, with their disease. And, you know, they put it off and put it off. I have so many clients that think they should be able to do this on their own, okay? They think that they should be able to manage their diets on their own. And yet they have a spouse that won't make any changes. And they so they're now cooking two meals. And it's too hard. It is just really too hard. So... Um, you know, I'm focusing on women trying, trying to let them realize that, you know, you need to take care of yourselves first. And it's not selfish. It's not selfish at all. Um, you know, so that's why I focus on women because, um, I am a woman and I see this happen so frequently. And, um, I just, it, it angers me that, um, Many of my clients will go to the doctors and they're told women that are of a larger body size are basically told just to lose weight. Okay. They just assume that they need to lose weight to manage their diabetes and they don't tell them how. Okay. When we know that, you know, if they just change their diet um, and start eating less um, saturated fat, that they can manage their diabetes first. And then the weight will come off. But that shouldn't be the first thing they have to do. Does that make sense? So, you know, yeah, yeah. So some of the, the five things, I don't know if you want me to start into those. Um, the first thing, the first step I would say is to, be, to, to change your mindset, okay, and really believe that you have the power um, and the control to, and to, to take control of your health. Diabetes is not... Um, does not have to be who you are. It can be something you have, and it can be something you reverse. It doesn't have to be your identity, right? And I think so many people fall into, oh, I'm diabetic. My family's diabetic. It's genetic. And believe me, the only thing genetic there is the cookbook. You're eating the same way that your family has eaten, okay? And if you change that up, your destiny can be different. So you have to change what you think about it um, first. That's the first thing. So yes, I, I, that is an excellent point. There's so many points I want to jump on and um, you know just elaborate on, or even ask you to elaborate on. But that's an excellent one. As women, we help to maintain that culture in the home, and part of culture is food. Yeah. And how we eat and that lifestyle. So if we're going to do that, then the culture change has to happen first here with the woman. And yeah. then, you know, we'll be able to affect everyone else in the home because, you know, that's that's part of that's our dominion. That, that's that's the reality. It um, really is true. It, it is. And, you know, when you talk about the very first step, that very first important pointer, you know, a lot is mindset. A lot mm -hmm. of it is around mindset, and there's a lot of conversation, too, around generational curses and reversing those. And um, 
In order to reverse, we have to know what that history is, look at the history. So it's not just, it is the cookbook that's important, but also what were some of the lingering um, diseases that our families had in their lineage and focus on that. And also, yes, looking at how the eating habits need to change and evolve if we ought to move out of that space of, you know, consistently being caught into this perpetual cycle of um, having an type 2 diabetes and it constantly showing up every generation. It mm -hmm. can be shifted. That can be changed. So tell us a little bit more about how we can overcome type 2 diabetes. Well, so first of all is mindset, right? And I think it's your point of that women are, are typically in charge of the home. And um, my master's research, I did a research paper that just got published um, out of Fiji. I went down to Fiji, the little island of Fiji where diabetes is rampant, and really focused on women there because they make the change. Okay, we have a lot of power that we don't realize, um, and you know, and and in the health of our families, and so that's another thing that kind of started me on this path with working with women, um, you know, and diabetes. But so um, the second point I wanted to leave you is to, you know, you kind of need a step by step plan, okay, and that you know by having some, you know, that plan of what you're going to do, and that. And I, I operate on a plant-based plan, okay? I teach plant-based nutrition because I see the results. I have clients get off their meds. I have clients lose weight. I have clients change the trajectory of their disease. And, you know, the step-by-step -step plan, it starts with starting with um, attacking the root cause of insulin resistance is what causes the diabetes, Okay, and I'm not sure how technically you want me to go. If you want me to expand on that, I would gladly do that. Right. I, I would, because part of what I would like for us to explore are any of the terms that are used within the community that, you know, people may need, you may need to elucidate on because it would be helpful. So that okay. may be one of the terms that you can you know, Cheryl, I have terms for myself that I wanted to ask about, but I'm sure you have a few at the forefront of your head that you want to expand on. So please. Okay. Yes. yes. So often, you know, um, medical professionals will throw around the word, word insulin resistance. And, you know, a lot of people don't even get what that is. And let me just give you a brief scenario. So you and diabetics are told to manage their blood sugars. Okay. It's all about carbs and blood sugar. But what they're not told is that um, that's just the symptom, okay? The cause is this insulin resistance, okay? So imagine, um, and so and carbs aren't the villain, all right? It's fats, and so um, and saturated fats at that. So think about it. You eat something, your body runs on glucose. Everything you eat gets broken down to glucose for your brain, for your muscles, for everything. And how that gets into your muscles is you eat. And then your pancreas, that's an organ you have, it releases the, the insulin that's needed. Insulin is like a key, okay? Your cells, think of a cell. Your cells have these little receptors on them, like they're like the, the door. And the key, insulin, goes into the receptor of your cell and unlocks it to let your blood sugars in. That takes your blood sugar out of your, 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 out of your blood. It, you know, it gets into the cells where it needs to go. The problem is, that receptor is gummed up, and it's gummed up with saturated fat, okay? So when you start re eliminating the saturated fat, and where do we find that? We find that in animal products, okay? When you start eliminating that, that gets cleared out. So then your insulin actually works better, okay? And so you're then it's able to allow your blood sugars to lower, so that's sort of the, you know, and the carbs aren't really the issue. You need carbohydrates, okay? And I'm talking about complex carbohydrates, apples, whole grains, um, you know, fruits and vegetables, all the things we eat as a plant-based eater, right? So insulin resistance, um, you know, is thrown around and people just understand how it works. And they only focus on blood sugars. And it's like focusing on if you had a, a bacterial infection, a cut on your leg, and the infection causes you to have um, a headache and high fever and aches and pains, you wouldn't take Tylenol to fix a bacterial infection. 
your doctor would give you antibiotics, right? You would take um, Tylenol to, to, for the symptoms of fever and aches and pains, but the root causes the infection. That's exactly what we're trying to do with a plant-based diet in fixing the root cause of the diabetes. Does that make sense? Of course it does, because when you break down that the real culprit is not necessarily carbs, but it is the fat. And the fat, again, is coming from the sources of fat from the diet. What you yeah. have been eating, yeah, it's as simple as, and I mean, not simple because it will require discipline. Yes. This is why you mentioned mindset change, because that mindset means that you have to work with the subconscious mind. You have to work with pre-existing desires for tastes, the tastes of certain foods. You have to, you know, flush the palate a little bit. There's a lot that goes into shifting mm-hmm. into that plant-based diet. But when you talk about the key and you give that analogy to the key, it is very visual. It's very Good. easy to understand now that, you know, once you remove what's causing the buildup, you actually release and you allow the receptors to function properly yes yeah yeah it's it's a really a beautiful thing and um so once we you know in in the five steps once you start shifting away from the saturated fats you start seeing blood sugars come down right i mean pretty rapidly i had a client go from like in eight days go from 289 blood sugars to 139 it was like just phenomenal right and and so you know, what ends up happening for people that are taking medicines, you have to really be working with your physician because it can happen so rapidly. You have to be, you have to reduce the medicine you're taking, okay, because otherwise you'll get hypoglycemic. You'll get too low, right, instead of being hypoglycemic. So um, it's definitely something you want to be working with your doctor and if you're going to be trying this. But you did make a really good point. It's It sounds simple. But that's kind of my third point, or um, my fourth point, is that, um, you know, support and coaching are really key. And I know you help people do that, as do I, learn how to do a plant-based lifestyle, because there's so many barriers that come up. Um, we're, you know, at first the food tastes kind of bland, because it takes at least 10 days for your taste buds to change. And if you're eating a standard American diet, it's super fatty. You fat, sugar, and salt. That's all you really, you taste. Okay. Yeah. And so it takes a little bit of time to um, get through that. And it takes a lot of skills. You have to learn to read, read labels. You have to learn to find new recipes. You have to, because um, it, there's a lot of these nuances that come with it that um, I find you know, by supporting and addressing those barriers with my clients speeds up the process. I mean, sure, you can do it on your own, but do you have years? Like, I took years to figure it all out, right? Um, I wish I just had someone, hey, in 12 months, we can get get you, your sugars down. I mean, that would have been awesome. Um, and that's what, that's what I do. I mean, I developed a program that does that, and um, because I wish that's what I had had, right? And um, because I want success. I just want results. You know, and that's what I want for my clients. And I know, um, I know the plant-based diet can do it. And living in our in our world, in the in the Western world, eating the way we do, it's not easy. We have food everywhere, and you know, believe me, processed food is designed to be addictive and taste good. Okay, they they have tons of marketing research behind that. Okay, to hook you. Okay, and and it's it's really makes me mad actually that they do this to our population. <laughs> it, it 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 makes me when you start getting into the idea of industrial psychology and marketing and the psychology behind marketing, there are whole teams preparing. Yes. And when you you use the word design, that's an intricate and very specific word. It is design down to the smells, the tastes that are addictive the colors that are used. So you're bombarded. Your sensory system is literally bombarded from every single angle to hook you in and pull you in. And it does require, as you say, that guidance from someone who's been there and can pinpoint where the triggers can be. Because sometimes it's just as simple as driving down the highway and that a trigger 
you receive a trigger. And the, the people in, in uh, my community now, we're working through the fast during Ramadan. And there are some who are saying, listen, we have never thought of chicken for a long time. And all of a sudden, we want chicken or we want this thing. It, you know, you never realize how deep-seated some of those triggers are. And sometimes all it takes is looking at YouTube and seeing one or two ads consistently and it it brings it back up to the subconscious mind in the you know and maybe it lives somewhere else you know but those triggers are real and yeah. that requires some discipline to get through yeah no it's true and i think it's the point you make is really good because and you think about culture and the emotion we put on food around holidays and just um family events and so um you know it's just so many people struggle with that. I, I remember Christmas was a big time for a lot of my clients because for them, they celebrate Christmas and the foods are such a part of the celebration. When when, you, when I would ask them, it's like, well, isn't it more about the people, right? I mean, isn't it about the gathering and the people and, and the, the, the meaning behind it and taking that emotion? Food only has emotion because you give it to it, okay? Um, it's just food. Okay, and you can easily, when I look at a recipe, I'm thinking, how can I veganize that and have it be kind of the same food and kind of still be a celebratory food, but be healthier for me? Okay, so there's ways of doing that. And that's what, when you work with somebody, they help you through that, you know, because they've been, they've been, they're ahead of you on the path. They've been doing this a lot longer. It's like having a coach or a mentor. It, it's really um, important. And then the other thing is um, being part of a community, especially like you have, um, it's the accountability part of it, okay? Accountability is hard. I have so many times my clients will say, well, I knew I was calling you at the end of the week, and so I just chose not to eat that because I didn't want to tell you about it. <laughs> I, mean, right? I mean, accountability is hard, and having um, someone hold, your, hold you to what you to hold you to your goals is really important yeah it's really important that the goal piece is important and again it starts off with the i always say to anyone i'm working with purpose what is your purpose we begin at purpose from the get-go i don't want to hear about you know i want to look slim i want to look skinny that's cute but that's bandwagon and it will very much bandwagon minded and it will get you to you will not be independent at the end of the, you know, the t- our time together. So I see how important it is for that coaching. And, you know, something I wanted to jump into just a quick, a little bit, the idea of glycemic index and the idea of um, sugar. Because sugar, if you have done the research, and I'm saying that's for the audience, really, because I know you, you have probably delved into it as you would have, you would need to, sugar is even more addictive than some of the very hard drugs that we can we can talk about right now very addictive and you would think you get over it and you realize if it's reintroduced even after a year or two years your body recognizes it instantly and it's also because it is triggering hormones so the sugar is literally you know interacting with hormones that are triggering pleasure centers in Mm -hmm. our brain and so even Imagine you, you're feeling states of euphoria from consuming sugar. If you have to pull away from states of euphoria, can you imagine how cataclysmic that could be? You know, and your brain fools you sometimes. I mean, it releases hormones even when our bodies begin to dip in, in weight, right? Once you yeah. start losing weight, it almost acts as an enemy <laughs> to mm-hmm. our purpose, you know? So, I wanted to ask a little bit about sugar and see if you would have time to get into the idea of glycemic index and how understanding the glycemic index helps um, those who have type, type 2 diabetes. It does. So in my program, I um, it's kind of four-pronged, and I start with um, uh, removing all the animal fats, I mean, all, all the animal um, foods, you know, so... That's meat, dairy, and eggs, right? That's, that's the biggest thing you can do for your diabetes, honestly. And then the second thing is to, um, you know, remove all the added oils. 
So people like, for example, I was so excited a couple of years ago when they're like, oh, it's year of the vegan plant based, you know, they're, oh, it's going to be everything in the food industry is going to that level. And I walk in, in my grocery store and saw um, a table filled with processed foods. It was kale chips and carrot slices and nothing fresh. It was all packaged. Okay. So the message they're sending is that this is healthy food and it is not. Okay. It has added oils in it. Just go buy the kale and make it yourself, right? I mean, make your own chips because they douse it in oil because that too is addictive and they add sugar to it. Okay. So if you look at your labels, sugars and so many things. I mean, so many things because people scan, they, they're, they're like you said, their brains are wired to want it. That's why breast milk is so sweet. They want the babies to want to eat, right? And so from an early age, you have this desire to seek out sweet food, okay? And so um, it, it really is, and that's why it's added to so many foods, okay? So I, I focus on those two things first, the added oils, the saturated fats, the added oils. The third thing I focus on is the glycemic index, okay? And so... We don't use it quite as much in the U.S. It's more, it's really prevalently used in Australia. A lot of um, food items will have it on there. But um, basically what the glycemic index does is it is an indicator of how quickly food breaks down into glucose, how quickly that sugar goes into your blood bloodstream. And that's what causes the spikes when you have uh, blood sugar spikes. So certainly, um, you know, uh, sugar will definitely be faster. A lot of breads that are cooked with yeast, baked with yeast, are faster. Um, but what slows it down is if you eat with fiber, okay? So if you combine, um, you know, uh, and, and maybe, so let's say you want to eat a piece of bread and eat a whole grain bread, okay? Make sure it's whole grain. And then you can put some um, almond butter on it. The fat would slow it down as well, Okay. Um, but you know, if you're really watching that, because another thing, bread has a lot of salt in it. So if you're, um, watching your blood pressure, that's not a food you should be eating. The types of breads that have lower glycemic are like the rye bread, the pumpernickel. They're much denser. Okay. So, um, so, and you know, if you're eating a whole foods plant-based diet, you're getting natural sugars from like your fruit. Those are okay. All right, because they come in a whole package. Like think of an apple. You have it. Yeah, it's it's a carb. It's a carbohydrate, and it's got fructose in it. But it's natural fructose. It's not the artificial fructose that's made and added to these processed foods. But it also brings with it fiber. It brings with it um, water. It brings it with it um, antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. All these, you know, all these things. It's that synergistically work together. Okay, and I'm not saying go drink fruit juice. Nuh-uh. Okay, that's going to spike you for sure because all that stuff's gone, right? All the fiber's gone, all the, you know, and it's very concentrated. Eat the whole food. And you get your sweet um, fix, so to speak, because we like sweet. But you're getting all these other things. So you need to start thinking of your food as what does it bring with it? Okay, we know oils bring nothing, nothing with them but calories, Okay, nothing. They don't bring you any antioxidants, no fiber, nothing. Meat brings you no fiber. As a diabetic, you want to add fiber to your diet. That that slows down your um, your spikes. Okay, does that make sense? Of course, of course. And if you're speaking about you know balancing, because I know people will find loopholes and they're like, well, how do I get my omegas? Well, the the nuts that you're yeah. speaking of are an exact. The, they are the best option for accessing omega threes and sixes in proper balance. Um, yeah. And exploring the nuts and looking at the ones that are higher in fiber, like your walnuts and your almonds, those are excellent because again, the fiber content is much higher, and for some of them, their fat content is much lower. I, you know, right. I, I remember working with someone one time, and he, you know, he had to really he had no choice he had to have a balance of threes and sixes but he had to reduce his fat content so that's kind of really hard right it um, is but he was also from the caribbean and we are known for consuming high fried foods 
Oh, yeah. Um, pouring oils into our salads and so on. So it's those types of oils that we have to stay away from. Uh, to yeah. to, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, um, but reducing the adding of oils, specifically bottled oils, and yes. so on to our food. And, you know, your point about walking into the, the store, the, the grocery store, and looking at all of the new alternatives to the vegan diet when you talk about fat if you were to take up those little dips all of the dips and the cheese alternatives the fat content is extremely high and you know those things are are gourmet and they should be treats and not necessarily an everyday item um how has that been for you in terms of um opening up the world of alternative foods to your clients, but also making sure that they create a balance in between. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, people, um, clients come in and they immediately just want to replace the meat with the the faux meats, you know, and the cheese with the faux meat cheeses, right? That the vegan alternatives, vegan food's not necessarily the best choice. Okay, um, because there's a difference between plant-based eating and vegan. And I like to say being plant-based is being vegan with a twist a little bit. And the twist is that we're doing it for health and we love animals, but we're doing it for our health as well. And we're, we're really reducing the processed foods. And so we are conscious of the added oils, the added salt, the added sugar, right? Um, and so, like you said, they're more of a treat or a transition food, okay? So a lot of clients will want to put um, the vegan butters on their whole grain toast, okay, or whatever it is. And I'll say, well, how about if you use an avocado instead? It's still that really rich um, feeling that you have, but yet it's bringing with it some vitamins and minerals and some fiber, right, whereas the, the vegan uh, butter would not. And so, so it's really um, thinking about what your food is bringing to you. And um, the oils are just – rampant they're everywhere because our palates are in because that's what sells that's what sells people want that palate feeling you know and it really once you clear it out you can't go back and eat that food it's like it's like ah it's horrible it's that that fat salt yeah it once you go through those like you said it is that 10-day period it really does flush your system your palate your palate's clean your yes. blood is also clean from it so it yes i was just i was just traveling uh, for a few days and uh, travel's a challenge it can be sometimes and i was in a small town so we didn't have a lot of food options but we hit the grocery store and we make our own sandwiches all the things the few nights we ate out you request no oil and restaurants have a really hard time doing zero oil okay it's just it's just how it is that the chefs, I mean, I've been in culinary classes. Everything starts with a pound of butter. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a challenge. And really um, we came home and almost had a detox a little bit because even the limited amount of oil, we felt slightly sluggish. Our systems were a little bit off. And so, um, but you, you know, you, you deal with it. It's, it's, you know, a few meals out of, out of it weren't terrible, but it's just more than we're used to. Right. I mean, it really is. So. Right. And your body does, you know, the, I think the beautiful thing about paying attention to the body um, while you transition and even after that transition and you become an independent plant-based or vegan, uh, you have an independent lifestyle, like meaning you're successful at it and you have not, you know, like reverted back to the old ways. But, you know, it's I think paying attention to the body is really important and you pointed that out because then you can see and the triggers you can feel when it's being triggered you can feel when on no okay i'm going to eat this thing it's going to be too much for me let me take a shot of parsley let me get some parsley shots and and start cleaning out some of the toxins yeah. let me get some yellow dark herb or something to start building my blood and and cleansing my blood i think those are really important to think about you know because it becomes part of just your pantry of things so and, yeah. and you know, as travel, if you're traveling all the time, it makes sense to have those because you can't always dictate or identify what the food situation will be unless you make your own. 
Yeah, no, it's true. And I would love to learn more about the whole herbs and stuff from you because that's not really my realm and it fascinates me. It really does. So, yeah, yeah, I'd love to learn more about that from you. Thank you. So I have a, I have so many questions and I know we have very limited time, but I think yeah. we're doing good. Um, I don't know if you have any more points, but I, cause I don't want to introduce a question. Um, no, so, no, no, bring the questions. Yeah, I would love to have your questions. So, so. I think you you identified a few of the misunderstandings around diabetes, but I wanted to know if there were any additional misunderstandings. I know um, in the media, we tend to identify all of those who are obese with having type 2 diabetes or being diabetic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I certainly don't think that that's accurate. I know too many skinny uh, diabetics um, because they can't. The amount of the caloric, um, there's a lot of, they have a lot of calories or consume a lot of calories. And so Mm -hmm. you may not necessarily see it because, yes, they may be skinny, but they may have a lot of fat around organs and so on. And Mm -hmm. that may affect, that may affect, especially considering your breakdown today about the idea of insulin resistance and it being a fat issue. That Mm -hmm. dumbing down of the receptor, Mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to know if there were any other misunderstandings around type 2 diabetes and even obesity. Well, I think the biggest ones are the genetics, okay, that is in their genes. Um, And and then, again, it's that um, this this destiny and and the weight is is really true. You know, there's – it's really interesting. If you follow – the book, The China Study, written by T. Colin Campbell, he did a lot of research in China. And at the time he did it, um, there was very little diabetes. As years have gone on and the Western diet's now more prevalent in China, you're starting to see those numbers change, right? So I think the difference people don't realize is that they it, it really is a diet-related disease, okay? It's all about what you eat. And I had a client recently that um, felt like she could manage it with exercise. And exercise is wonderful. It really is. It's good for your mind. It's good for your spirit. It's good for your body. All those things. But it's 80% diet, 20% exercise. Okay. And so just know that, you know, um, there's a whole component of wellness. There's like seven different dimensions to it. Okay. It's and if you follow any of the um, old cultures that have the most 100-year-old people, right, the blue zones, they eat um, a mostly plant-based diet. They exercise. Not, not like they have to go to a gym. They just move in their lives, right? They um, have strong social relationships. They have a purpose in life. All those things contribute to wellness, Okay. But we are so used to just, you know, a good, enjoying your job, less stress, all those things. We only focus on these micro and minutia parts of it. And, I mean, I get it. So much is given to us about losing weight and, you know, not having disease. And those are big parts. But you have to look at your whole picture, right? And um, what you feed your body and how you, you're able to um, fuel your body is a big part of it, but also being able to get out and do the life you want to do. And so many people wait until they lose weight. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll go do that when I'm thinner or someday when I'm thinner. And it's like, no, start today. Okay, no. You know, um, there's a whole movement called health at every size. Why are you waiting? You don't know how many days you have. You know, get out there and start today and, you know, do what you can do. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? that that's, that's, you are speaking of, in a nutshell, holistic health. Because mm-hmm. holistic health is about the social, the psychological, the mental, the physical, diet, lifestyle. I mean, lifestyle is, is, is and culture, is, it just encompasses all of those. And so, Yes, it may be difficult to realize, but if I get up today and I give or I interact with someone, that motivates me, and that motivation feeds into my ability to want to be outside, to walk, to enjoy and experience life to the fullest. You know, someone shared recently that 
they actually realize that they were able to be motivated enough to go out and exercise. And now all of a sudden they're exercising with neighbors. You know? yeah. So I'm like, yes, that's how it goes. You don't wait until, as you said, until you've just gotten down to the right size. That doesn't help. You have to move and you have to move immediately. And you'll find that there are other people who want to take that journey with you. And yeah. that becomes your inspiration that, you know, as you inspire them, they inspire you and it keeps you going. And it helps to account for the social part because that yeah. social interaction is key. As you said, no, that, that conversation. Someone also said to me, you know, I, I was born and reared in the Caribbean. And they said to me, well, what do people do in the Caribbean? What do they do in the Caribbean? And there's so much time. I was like, yes. The part of an every your everyday journey is actually being able to walk outside and see the sunrise. If you live near the beach, you are going to incorporate a beach walk every day into your routine. And it's not a routine. It's just like, this is what we do. Yeah. It's difficult to do that here. And we have to find all of these little pockets and niches. And we have to go to the gym. We have to schedule it. So it becomes very different. But in other parts of the world, that's incorporated into the natural lifestyle and we have to find a way to do the same. No, it really is true um, because it, it's so good for our mental health as well as our physical health. And, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go lift weights. You don't have to go run, you know, walking, dancing, ride your bike, stretching, all those things count. And so, you know, break it up into 10 minute intervals if you don't have enough time. So movement's really key. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the other, um, you know, myths they might have about diabetes. It's like, uh, I think people think medicines help. I think they think if they go on the meds that they've got, got it controlled. And, I think our medical system lets people believe that. You know, out of curiosity, I just did a podcast on meds, and I counted up 25 different oral anti-diabetic medicines that are available for doctors prescribed. That was a really quick count. That's not even counting the injectable insulins, right, or the heart medicines that also help with heart disease and and diabetes. So it makes you wonder um, – why it's so it's so easy for doctors to prescribe and you know pharmaceutical companies don't want you to stop the meds okay and so and doctors honestly don't have the time to coach you on how to be plant-based okay and doctors are human they're part of our society they eat the way you eat mostly okay and so um everybody has their biases i'm i am biased toward the plant-based lifestyle there's no doubt about it um and so but they don't even give the information. And that's what really frustrates me is that they don't even give people an option. That's what happened with my husband. It's like, oh, start the meds. Well, wait, 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 wait. This is all news to us. Isn't there another way? You know, and they just didn't have any information to give to us. So I think, and I think people start the meds because we are a society that wants the easiest route. Okay. And they think the medicines are going to cure them or going to stop it. And what's not told to them is that, no, it just slows the progression, okay? And you might be lucky. You might be one of those people that are lucky that you never have the complications as you age, okay? Now, what we know is that, and there's studies that show this, that if you develop diabetes later in life, say in your 80s, the odds of complications are far greater because your lifespan is far shorter, right, at that point. If you develop diabetes, type 2 diabetes earlier, your 40s, your 50s, your chances of having complications like heart disease, kidney disease, amputations, um, you know, eventually dialysis, all those things are far greater, okay? Because you have a longer amount of time to be taking these medicines that stop working. Because what's happening is they're treating the symptoms and not the root cause, remember? So they're just treating the symptoms, and the root cause keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and your insulin resistance keeps getting worse. And so you keep having to take more. So you start taking one med. You start taking two meds. You start taking insulin on top of that. And when you start taking those meds, many of them cause you to gain weight. And that's a big myth is that insulin, injectable insulin, no, notoriously makes you gain 20 pounds, okay? And then you're like, well, wait, I'm supposed to lose weight. 
especially the fat on your in your organs, like you mentioned, and just to lose weight, but now I've gained 20 more pounds. Okay, it's this vicious circle. And so, I mean, my my encouragement is try try the plant based lifestyle. It's not it, it's not easy, but it's way easier than having these complications down the road. Right. I mean, who wants to be living like that? I, I don't know. I mean, it just it's an easy choice for me. And when I work with my clients, we get through the humps and it becomes an easier choice for them. And they really get their lives back. You know, they really do. Yes. And, and I, think that, I think that people want that. They, they want to be able to um, to hold on and have some control over that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and maybe that's why, you know, I was just going back to a point that you made where it's like the insulin, injectable insulin actually causes that that um, 20 pound weight gain or, or there mm-hmm. about. Um, it makes you think that's why the message from doctors is uh, exercise is, and losing weight is important because uh, you're practically handing them 20 pounds. Uh, when yes. you hand them the, the the prescription or the insulin, so you have to counteract that by saying, okay, yeah, lose the weight because you're literally talking about the weight that they're gonna gain from what you just prescribed to them. But yeah. you know, like I wanted to say, there's so many. I just finished um, participating in a food summit resolution, and I was amazed at how many plant-based doctors that there were on gut health mental health you name it womb health everything blood health it was all over the place there are two who i find um actually very much out and about and very present and popular milton mills is one of them and he i heard him speak in person he's a great guy he is he is and he really puts that he breaks down the information and it makes it makes it easy for you to understand why plant-based is the better you know lifestyle for us to embrace but it's just that there's there's a lot and you know i appreciate that you're able to come on and share now before you leave this is our month and we have uh 10 15 minutes so yeah. i'm going to take advantage of that by asking because this is the month of may and uh, i know may 9th is mother's day i don't tend to um celebrate these things like my mom has to be celebrated every day mothers have to be celebrated every day and you can't celebrate mothers without <laughs> celebrating fathers because uh mother father mother father child that's family that's important yeah. that's the core um and so i wanted to, to ask for you to share a little bit of insight because early on you mentioned shifting and transitioning that your family into a plant base. So I wanted to know a little bit about that journey. Uh, what were some of the struggles? What were some of the successes? Are they still um, observing and, and, and participating in a plant-based lifestyle? Um, are they doing their own thing now? You know, just share a little bit about what it means to be a mother and, you know, administering to your family and being able to transition them. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So when we transitioned, um, my young guys, two boys and two girls, okay, and uh, our youngest daughter was, I think, probably about sixth grade, okay, and our oldest daughter was, you know, just finishing up high, so there's 10 years between, you know, start to finish, and my boys are, two girls and my boys are in the middle, Um, and they were really on board. Uh, When we explained to them I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I did all the cooking, and I met, I ran the house, okay? My husband um, had his, his dental practice, and he was very involved with that. And and, um, and so all the cooking was up to me. And when I set them, when we set them down and said, hey, we're going to be doing this for dad's health, they were on board, okay? But what I also did was I tried to find recipes that were familiar to them, okay? I looked at a lot of foods we had already been eating um, and and then veganized them, okay, you know, made them more plant-based. I I, I um, never cook with oil, and it's really, I cook with vegetable broth or water. I saute my foods that way. I don't, I don't have oil in the house, okay? Um, not even, not even olive oil, okay? Olive oil, that's a myth, and coconut oil is even worse, so don't, don't eat those things, but, um you know, and so that was never, that wasn't that hard for us. But certainly, um, my kids were all very active in sports. And my, my older son was doing two-a-days uh, playing soccer. And so one of the biggest mistakes I made was just not enough calories. 
I mean, here you have a growing boy who's 16 playing sports, playing soccer at that twice a day. Um, and just, he would literally take his lunch in a grocery sack. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was unreal. He was eating constantly because trying to keep the calories in him because he was burning them up so much. And so that was a mistake. He was hungry at first. Okay. And, um, because you're used to eating things that are higher, um, they're more calorie dense, right? And, uh, you know, the meats and the cheese and all that. And so when we took those out, it was, and doing bean burritos and just more fruits and it was, it was the challenge. Um, so that was the challenge. Now, um, they're all out of the house now and, um, it was a challenge going through college and remaining plant based because they have to eat at school. You have to pay for these meal plans, and they only offer them, like, three options, okay? Um, so, but since they were athletes, but my two sons were collegiate athletes. Uh, one played soccer, one rode. They found that when they were in season, certainly cutting out dairy re- helped their recovery um, process, okay? They had a much higher performance uh, in sports, and there's a really great movie called The Game Changers, where so many athletes are now in uh, high level athletes are now adopting the plant based lifestyle because of that, because they can train harder, recover faster and get back at it. Right. So they they definitely did that. Now, they are plant based. I have one son. I mean, three of them are full on plant based. OK, I have one son who cooks for himself. And he's more of an opportunist. So if there's an opportunity to eat a little bit of meat, he will. OK. OK. Yeah. But um, for the most part. How I feel about it as a parent is they have the knowledge, okay? They have the information. They know a healthier way of eating. And so they make, even if they don't, uh, you know, this one doesn't do it 100, 100%, his choices are still way better than they would have been at someone his age. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so he still has way more, a better diet than an average 20-year-old who would be eating pizza, you know, all the time. Um, and so now he orders pizzas with no cheese, right? So there's ways of doing it. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so they are plant-based. It was a challenge. I'm, I tried making a green smoothie once, and to this day, they, they harassed me about it because it was so horrible. <laughs> I failed oh big time. I failed big time. I've gotten better, but they will not drink anything smooth, any, anything green anymore. But, um, oh my yeah. Yeah. So maybe this hack will work. Spinach, ginger, absolutely add some maca and go in on um, maybe some guava or mangoes and you'll, you'll, you'll have a redemption party. Okay. Yeah. My mistake I made was I used a whole bunch of parsley that I had. It was not a good choice. <laughs> that's one of the things I was new I was trying to figure it out and I thought anything green counted right and so yes. I remember my son one time he asked me what's this green stuff you keep putting in everything and it was kale I had discovered kale I, I, I kind of went overboard on the kale for a while but um so it's a process it's the the road is not straight okay it's it's curvy and bumpy and all those things but the results uh, I love the lifestyle. It is so easy, and it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Um, it really is. And you, once you realize how good you can feel, you think you feel good until you change your diet, and then you realize, holy moly, I have so much energy. I wasn't, I wasn't even reaching, tapping into half my potential, right? So, yeah. Right, right, right. This is this is beautiful. It's a beautiful share. Thank you very much. Um, you said you had a daughter, and I can't help but to ask because I do have my own um, experience uh, when I was 14, transitioning, and how that plant-based transition supported me and my womb health and some of the pains that I went through. So I wanted to know, I don't want you to give your daughter's details away, but I do yeah. want to know if there were any changes as women, if there were any changes in terms of um, when it came to PMS or pain or any of that struggle, was there an improvement at all from, you know, engaging in a plant-based lifestyle? Yeah, so our older daughter was at that age, and she she never, neither of my daughters, because I have two daughters, um, ever suffered with PMS. You know, just their menstrual cycles are just, like another day, right? They're just like another day. And 
Um, they both they both started their their menstrual cycles later. I think that could possibly be genetics, but it could also be the diet, you know, um, because we know dairy, of course, encourages hormones, right? Um, yeah, and um, you know, never have never struggled with any weight, which I see so many of their peers struggle with. Um, acne. They didn't have any acne, which is also another big thing with youth that you see happen. Um, and I think that was certainly part of the diet because you're removing all those oils and all that dairy. Um, so just really, they were pretty darn easy teenagers, um, honestly. And, you know, I think, uh, of course, neither of them are the age to, you know, have have babies yet. But I'm curious to see if they continue on because I can tell you. When my daughter would go in for her wellness check and they would ask her, are you drinking so many glasses of milk a day? She'd say, well, what do I tell them? I go, uh, just say, well, how many should I be drinking? And they'd say, how many? And it's like, okay, and they'd say yes. <laughs> so it was a little white lie because she wasn't drinking milk, you know. But, but you feel as a mother, you feel – dairy was the hardest thing for me because you're so indoctrinated to think they have to have it, okay, for bone health. And – there are so many studies that show that's the complete opposite. But, I mean, I struggle with that the most because I'm of that generation that you feel like you have to have calcium and for their healthy bones. And, you know, I so and the doctors reinforce that. And so um, I think it's better now. But at the time we were doing this, it was certainly not as prevalent to have plant based eaters. OK. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because studies sh- actually show that if you are raw, raw plant-based, raw vegans actually have the highest bone density. Really, based off of their diet alone of just raw foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, greens, because it's the levels of and being outside too. That's important, right? Like being in direct contact with the sunlight but also yeah. you know foods that are rich in natural um levels of calcium and and, and vitamin k that has supported them like i actually witnessed two young two newborns you know doctors actually asking well how come asking the mother well you know we need to do some research you know like we would like to kind of scrutinize them a little bit you know, so that was a wise thing that you did. You just said to her, no, ask questions instead of revealing anything because now they want to make you uh, guinea pigs because it's like, well, you're not drinking milk. Well, how come? Yeah. yeah. We, we, you know, let's do some research over here. But um, that you have shared so much. And can you tell my audience, right? Tell us where can we find you? What are some of the services that you offer? Um, if we're looking oh, okay. for you, please. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm just really I'm trying to get better at social media, but I'm on social media. Um, when I was in grad school, I started a, a plant-based podcast called Veghead Speaks, and it's just generally plant-based information. Um, but more recently, I started the No Pills No Hunger, which is strictly for diabetics. Okay, type two diabetics, and and that one I'm a little more active on because I just that's sort of my passion right now. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at Nutrition with Robin or Robin Withrow Wong. Um, I also have the Veghead Speaks on there. I have a website, Nutrition with Robin. It's nutritionwithrobinrdn.com. I am just launching a online program uh, that I'm pretty excited about. It's uh, called Reverse Diabetes Method, and I'm only working with diabetics. So um, I'm hoping that that's going to take off because it's such a huge problem. It is such a huge problem. And I know I can help these people, right? So um, I'm hoping that's going to go. And I'm doing a webinar actually next week, um, May 4th, um, to, to tell people more about that. And um, so I don't know. I don't know if you have an audience that has many diabetics in it, but I would certainly, you know, um, encourage you if you're diabetic, Seek out someone that can help you with a plant-based diet. I mean, you have this wonderful woman here that can help you, um, you know, and what a great community you've developed here, you know, with the Sovereign Eats. Thank you. And, you know, you that's your niche. You know, that's your specialty area. And so I always, 
I like to say to people, find someone whose focus is that area because guess what? They've gone through the journey. They know all of the subtle ins and outs and, you know, they know how to guide you um, expertly. So I really appreciate that you were able to share. And the webinar, um, I know you shared the link with me, so I will include that link on one of my Instagram posts very soon. So that way, those who um, do follow me, they have the opportunity to join you um, there. And I'll share it with all of the other women um, in my uh, community, my Anu community, so that way they can take the opportunity to join you on that webinar. Great. And I think, did I send you the link for um, some recipes? I think I sent you a link for, okay, yeah, okay. So, and I'm going to include those as well um, when I do post this video on on YouTube. So I have to post the video on YouTube. So once that's done, all of that information, wonderful information that you shared with me, I will definitely include it and share it with my audience. So I just want to close and say thank you very much, Robin, for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you. You shared a lot of information. I would love to have you back on, but I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us. Oh, so thank to you for having me. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm so thankful I got to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And we had some good dialogue too. Even though, you know, we started off on Thursday, but we had some good one-on-one time. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. Thank you to, um, our audience, those sovereigns who are in the space, thank you all. Um, in order to listen to the video, you're probably listening to the podcast. If you'd like to see the video, please tune into our YouTube channel called The Sovereign Eats Channel, and you'll be able to find the video there filled with all of the information. There'll be information in the description as well. Um, please find Robin on Instagram and like, share, and subscribe. Thank you all for joining us. Peace and power to you all. Bye. Bye. We would love to hear from you. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Head on over to our website at SovereignEats.com or you can find us on Instagram at The Sovereign Eats. See you soon. Peace.